I want to remind you that on Tuesday night we will be meeting here for our midweek study, and we are on a series right now, and the series is focusing on the church, the local church, and its ability to turn the world upside down. And this Tuesday we will be focused on the power of the calling of God. And so we want you to be a part of that. And we had one baptized this last Tuesday night. We have another one that's going to be baptized at the end of our service today, at least one. And uh, I want to uh, encourage you, if you've never been baptized in water for the remission of your sins, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, that you can do that today before you leave here as the, the, the Word of God commands and as Jesus declared to us for us to experience the new birth. If we could stand together just for a moment, I want to read from John chapter number 14, verse 16. Have you heard, as you've heard repeatedly today, this is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the Passover, after Easter, and it, it is uh, commemorating when the church was born. John 14, verse 16. The Bible says this, And I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and He shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He was talking to his disciples and saying, you know the Spirit of truth because he's with you right now. He was talking about himself. But he said, he shall be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is uh, prior to Jesus' crucifixion where he was telling his disciples that he was going to leave. But he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then Luke chapter 24, verse number 49. Luke chapter 24, verse number 49 says this. And behold, I send, Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 2, we quoted this already, but verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, It was when the day of Pentecost, this feast day, was fully come that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And today we're so blessed that uh, we've already had an outpouring of the Spirit. We've had people filled with the Holy Ghost already in this place. But I believe that God's not done in this house yet. And uh, I want to I want to talk to somebody right now who, who really loves God. And um, you'd like to... Be right with God and you're trying to do everything that you know to do. But perhaps you've never had this experience that's talked about here in the book of Acts where you are filled with the Spirit and you begin to speak in another language as the Spirit gives you the words to speak. This was not just for them that day, 2,000 years ago, but it's for us here today. And as I mentioned, there are already two, perhaps three, that have received this experience for the very first time in this house today. So I want to let you know that if, you've here, if you're here today, you love God, but you've never had that experience, that's all right. Today is the day for you to receive that experience from God. And I have a lot of people, witnesses in the house from all over the world that can say it's real, it's powerful, it's life-changing. Amen. So I want to speak just for a few minutes today here on this subject. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Jesus, we thank you for your anointing, your presence, and your power. Help me speak and do it real quick and do it very effectively in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. My daughter's favorite story about me is when I was in grade school and there were bullies who picked on me. They were the kinds of kids. One of them was named Kenny. 
it was third grade. He already had a mustache. You know what I'm talking about? Because he was supposed to be in sixth grade, but uh, he was in third grade, so he was massive, had muscle tone. I was just a little kid. For whatever reason, he decided I was the one that he was going to pick on. And uh, I'll never forget the day out in the schoolyard at Southside High School in Knoxville, Iowa, a little town of 7,000 people, that uh, something happened. I was on the playground, uh, a piece of equipment there uh, on those uh, monkey bar things, and somehow I think my foot swung and, and hit Kenny there that day. And so he pulled me down from the bar. All the other kids had been called up because recess was over, but I was out there on the far end of the schoolyard. And it's probably not as big as I remember it, but when I was a kid, I remember it being like miles away from the uh, uh, from where the kids were gathering. He pulled me down, threw me on the ground, and just started kicking me right there on the ground, just started kicking me. And so I was rolling around. I was like, this is terrible. I'm trapped. I, this could go on for hours. And I don't know if I can endure this, but as I was rolling around trying to escape the uh, um, the uh, foot form projectile that was coming at me repeatedly, I saw through the corner of my eye that there was a, uh, a young boy, uh, a young man who uh, was a year ahead of me in school, but he also came to our church. His name was Scott, and he was running towards me like a torpedo. And uh, I realized, you know what? Somebody's got my back. Uh, and help is on the way. Amen. Can I bring it home a little bit now? I had three girls all by myself for the last two days. Because my wife went on a, 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 a girl's trip with a couple of her friends celebrating one of their birthdays. And I had a lot of things to do, a lot of things going on. And uh, at about 2 o'clock yesterday, I called my wife and I said, What's the plan for tonight? She laughed and said, do you mean when am I going to get home? I said, you got it, baby. She said, well, they're going to leave about four, so that's what time they'll drop me off. And I said, yes, help is on the way. Mm -hmm. Anybody heard of the Alamo before? The Alamo was a significant, pivotal battle in the uh, fight to uh, liberate Texas. Now, it depends on where you're from. I know i got some people in the house that may view this differently uh, if you uh, are, are uh, strongly in tune with your Mexican ties. Uh, you might have been cheering for Santa Ana. But uh, then there's others in the house that were cheering during this battle for Sam Houston to get his army down there to help uh, the great patriots, Davy Crockett and the Tennessee Volunteers and... Uh, uh, um, James Bowie and his Bowie knife laying up on the bed sick. And uh, uh, um, General Travis was his name that was in charge of this little uh, fort right in the middle of San Antonio that these men had come to believe was the key to Texas independence. And so they decided uh, that uh, we're not going to give up and we're not going to retreat even if we have to die for this fort. And every day what happened is, the story is that... Um, uh, that uh, General um, Santa Ana came and besieged the fort and uh, encompassed it about. And they began to tear the, the fort down. And the men were on the inside, some 200-odd men uh, that were there set to defend the fort because it was basically, essentially the only uh, outpost or American outpost there uh, for a long while, and it was significant, they felt, very significant to the independence of Texas. And these men were committed to fighting to the death. And so Santa Ana sent in a, uh, uh, basically a command, said, it's time for you to surrender. And so the letter gets in, the surrender, so he's waiting for the response. The response was a cannonball that was shot right out to him. So he's like, I guess that's the answer. And so they engaged in besieging the city, besieging the fort. And there uh, the uh, General Travis was sending uh, word to uh, General Houston, we need some help here. We need some support. We need some reinforcements. Please send help. And uh, uh, there are varying uh, reports on what was happening. We know the United States was very disorganized at that time, but they were trying to pull together uh, an army of volunteers to come down and to help 
to, uh, to, to break the siege on the fort and to set the Alamo free. But uh, the end of the story is that they uh, uh, came in to the fort and they destroyed every single man that was there, including Bowie and Crockett and Travis and every single one of them. But when the army finally did come down to engage with Santa Ana, they came with this cry on their lips, remember the Alamo, remember the Alamo. And it became one of the rallying cries of this young nation, the United States of America, to remember those men that sacrificed, uh, those men that laid their life on the line so that there could be deliverance. They were crying out for help to come. Is help on the way? You know, there's another story in the Word of God from the life of the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha, during his life and ministry, the nation of Syria besieged the city of Samaria. You guys still with us? You guys still there? Everybody go to bed. So they came and they besieged it. That means they took all their soldiers around the walled city. They cut off all communication in and out. They caught off all flow of supplies in and out. And the Bible says, as a result, Samaria was experiencing extreme, extreme famine. And so, uh, during this time, uh, the Bible lets us know that um, uh, people were eating things like the head of a donkey. And it cost all kinds of money to purchase the head of a donkey. Or, here's another one. It said there were people that were willing to spend a lot of good money to buy a pint of dove's dung. Lots of good money. Donkey head and dove's dung. Anybody ready for lunch? Big money. Big money. And then the king was walking along as the city was besieged, as they were being uh, uh, demoralized and physically uh, wasting away in essence. The famine was so great that he heard two women arguing. And the argument was, we made an agreement with each other, and you are breaking the agreement. So the king is listening, and they said, what was the agreement? Uh, He's listening to find out what the agreement was. And he finds out what the agreement was. She said, we agreed that in order to survive, we would boil your child. We would boil my child, and then we would eat him. And then a few days later, we'd boil your child. And then we'd eat him in order to survive. Everybody say, that's extreme. That's extreme famine. That is being besieged. That is being in bondage, extreme bondage. And the reason they were mad is because she said, "I, I offered my child. We survived. Now it's time for her to do her part. And she's hidden her child. And when the king heard this, he realized just how dire the situation was. He began to tear his clothes and said, where is that prophet Elisha? Where is that guy? Look at this suffering. I'm taking his head off of him. Go, go, go find out where he is. So he sent his um, uh, right-hand man over there to find out where Elisha was in Elisha's house there. And uh, uh, he said, the king's mad at you, Elisha. He wants to take your head off. And uh, because of what's happening, there's no food. There's no way to survive. People are dropping like flies. And they've got us cut off. The army of Syria, which eventually took the northern kingdom of Israel. They've got us cut off. What are we going to do? And, and uh, um, Elisha says in so many words, he says, Tomorrow at this time, you'll be able to, to buy fine flour and fine barley for just pennies in the gate of Samaria. And the guy's like, what? I mean, we're paying hundreds of dollars for donkey heads. And the city's besieged and people are eating their own children. And you say we're going to be able to buy fine food for pennies on the dollar tomorrow? I don't see how that could happen if God were to open the windows of heaven. Elisha said, it looks pretty bad right now, but help is on the way. Your situation seems pretty impossible right now. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like there's no way out. But I've come to tell you that help is on the way. Amen. So what happened? Well, they go back and, and, uh, and they tell the king. And the king's like, wow, okay. We'll see what happens. We can give it 24 hours. 
And so that night, here's the story. There were four leprous men that dwelt outside the gates of Samaria because they couldn't live in Samaria because of their leprosy. They were considered unclean. And they were out there, and they were starving too. And they're like, what do we do? They begin to talk amongst themselves. And they said, you know, I think we ought to do something because we're starving. I mean, it's terrible. It's horrible. So we have basically a couple options here. We can either go into the city, and they're dying in there. So how is that going to help us? We'll die too. Or we can sit here and die. Or we can either go into the city and die, and everybody starts shouting at us, throwing things at us, unclean, unclean. Or we can sit here and die. So our options are pretty dire. Anybody ever been like that before? You're like, option A don't look too good, and option B looks even worse. And they said, but here, here's another option. Why don't we throw our ha- ourselves into the hands and at the mercy of the enemy, the Syrian army? They probably kill us too. But if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go in, we're going to die. But there is a slight chance that maybe they would show mercy on us. So they got up. It's, in the, it's late at night already. They get up and they said, why sit we here till we die? Let's go in to where the camp of all the Syrian armies are all around us right now. So they walk towards the edge of the camp. The Bible says when they get to the camp, they're surprised to discover that all the tents are there. All the animals are there, but there's no people there. And they're like, what's going on here? And so they go into the first tent. And inside the tent is all kinds of excellent food and drink. All kinds of gold and silver. So they're like, jackpot! And they're like in there enjoying themselves, eating. See, here's what happened. The Bible says what happened is, is while these four leprous men were walking towards the camp, God supernaturally turned the sound of their soft little footsteps into the sound of horses and chariots and shouts of war. And the Syrian army that was sitting there in their tents getting ready for bed became so fearful they said, surely the the city of Samaria has hired the Hittite army or they've hired an army from the Egyptians uh, to come down and fight for them and to break the siege on the city. And so in their fear, in their anxiousness to save their lives because they were unprepared, they got up and ran away and left everything right where it was. Mm. And so they're eating and they eat everything in the first tent. And they get ready to go to the second tent. And they're in there. And they are so full right now. They're like uh, having to take their belt uh, another notch or two if they wore belts back then. And, uh, and so then they're like, you know what? This is not good. This is a day of good tidings. This is a day of celebration. I know it's like midnight, but I think this is worth waking up the king over. So they go and they let the king, they let the uh, uh, chamberlains know, hey, guess what? The army's gone. And before long, guess what happens? The people in the wee hours of the morning, the people of the city start pouring out of the city, pouring out of the city out there. Now, the guy that had heard from Elisha, he said, God couldn't, this couldn't happen if the windows of heaven were open. And the prophet said, well, you're going to see it, but you're not going to be able to partake of it. And guess what happened while the people were pouring out there to uh, starving people, to to plenteous food and plenteous spoils. They ran over and trampled the man who had said this couldn't happen if God were to make windows in heaven. So the prophecy was fulfilled and they were delivered and they were set free. But I want to draw your attention to this right now. The idea from this story that they were besieged, that they were in bondage, that they were trapped, and there looked like no way out. But Elisha said, it may not come in the form that you thought it would, and it may not look the way that you anticipated that it would, but listen now. Get your chin up. Be uh, uh, no longer fearful. Get some hope in your spirit, uh, because help is on the way. Amen. You may be hungry right now. It may be desperate right now. It may seem hopeless right now. You may feel beat up right now, but I want to tell you that help is on the way. Praise God. Come on, somebody, help.
Help is on the way. Now, the Bible lets us know that because of the sin that Adam committed. Anybody know that story of Adam and Eve? She ate the apple. But it, everybody thinks it's an apple, but the Bible doesn't say it's an apple. It's fruit. God said, eat of anything but that. She ate the fruit because she was tempted and she made a mistake by listening to the wrong voices. Mm. And she ate what she wasn't supposed to, the thing that was prohibited. And then Adam did eat. And the Bible says, very specifically in the book of Romans, that by one man's sin, Romans 6.12, 5.12, by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men because all have sinned. Everybody became subject to this thing called sin and rebellion because of one man's disobedience. I want to make sure that you understand today that the problems in your life that you are dealing with are likely a result of sin. Because sin is the chief source of suffering in a person's life. What is sin? Sin is essentially saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what God's Word says. See, God's Word was very short. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, the Bible was very, very short. We have a lot of pages now, but their Bible was just one sentence. Don't eat of this tree. You may eat of every tree but this tree. That was the whole Bible for them. And they rebelled against it and disobeyed the Word of God. But I want to make plain to you and clear to you today that suffering that enters into people's lives is a result of sin. Whether it's suffering in your marriage, whether it's suffering in your finances, whether it's suffering because of things that you've done and choices that you've made, it is because our lives become besieged by sin. Don't look at me like you're all perfect and whatnot and I'm preaching to somebody else. Come on, somebody. Come on, Holy Joe. Come on, sister so-and-so, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, but I've been born again. Oh, so you're perfect now, huh? Oh, so you, you don't make mistakes anymore, so you bat a thousand now. Uh-uh. Sometimes you swing and miss. The Bible says sin is to miss the mark. And when we miss the mark and when we allow sin into our life, it creates problems and complications in our life. It brings stress. It brings condemnation. It drives a wedge between us and God. It makes us feel a sense of despair and hopelessness. It makes us feel like our situation's going down the wrong way. See, when you sin, you open a door to the tormentor, and the tormentor can make you feel hopeless, and the tormentor can make you feel like you're going down, and the tormentor can make you feel like there you ain't got nothing coming, and there's no better day that's coming, and there's no hope and there's no deliverance and there's no provision and there's nothing coming and it makes you feel defeated and discouraged. Listen to, listen to me right now. The Bible says that when Adam was cursed, the Bible says you are cursed from the earth and the greatest curse that is upon mankind today is the curse of that which grows out of the earth. Whether it's opiates or alcohol, it brings men and women into slavery and people are a slave to these things that come from the earth. It's not just the fact that the earth would bring forth and breed weeds and farmers would have to pull weeds. It's about there's something that comes out of the earth that man becomes enslaved to. And I'm going to tell you the greatest cause of destruction in marriage is alcoholism. Amen. The greatest cause is drug abuse. The greatest cause is physical abuse. The greatest cause is financial abuse. And all of these things are a product of sin and rebellion because Adam was the first person that sinned. And this sin brought a curse upon all of mankind. And you may feel right now like your situation is hopeless. Like your marriage is hopeless. Like you can't break free from the trap that the enemy's got you in. But I want to tell you right now that help is on the way. You don't have to stay in that hopeless situation. You don't have to be caught forever in that trap that seems to get tighter the more you try to break out of it. Help. Turn to somebody right now and look at them and smile and say, help's on the way. Come on, turn to somebody else and do it. I didn't hear nothing. Help. Help is on the way. 
So we become slaves or servants to sin. The Bible says servants to sin. It may be some of those things that I mentioned, but it might be pride. It might be anger, uncontrolled anger that begins to well up in you. It may be perversion. Sin is pervasive. It's going to spread throughout like a cancer. It's going to affect your lives and you will become servants of sin. Your life will be like the city of Samaria. It begins to feel hopeless because you feel surrounded by your failures, surrounded by your mistakes, and surrounded by the things that are keeping you from being filled with joy. Your marriage may be under attack. You may see it in the way that your kids are acting. Your parents may be under attack. There may be generational curses that are upon you. Sin takes the form of immorality in people's lives. It is rejecting God's authority and living according to the course of this world. It might be sexual sins that have attacked you. It might be pornography. It might be generational alcoholism and your lives are besieged and you're watching yourself do things that you never thought that you would do before just to make it and just to survive. But I want to tell you today right now, listen to me, that you don't have to live like this forever and you don't have to live like this for a long, long time from now because help is on the way. You may sit there and look at me and say, preacher, I'd like to believe that. But if God were to open windows in heaven, I don't know how I could break free from what I'm struggling with right now. Listen to the preacher right now. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God is a deliverer. He can set free. He can make all things new. Listen to me right now. It doesn't matter how long you've struggled with depression. It doesn't matter. Come on. How long it is that you've been struggling with whatever it is that's got you bound. I'm going to talk to somebody right now that you're besieged by depression. It's all around you and you feel hopeless. And you're doing and thinking ways that you never thought you would do or think. You never would think like that. Who's going to eat their own child in normal circumstances? Ain't nobody going to be do that. Do that. It takes extreme situations to drive people to do things that they would never do. And sometimes sin and the results of sin can put us in a position, amen, where we will do things and think things and have thoughts in our mind that we would never have before. But I want to tell you that whatever it is that is stacked up against your city, whatever it is that is surrounding your life, life and cutting off the flow of joy and peace. God's plan is for you to have the joy of the Lord. Come on, someone. God's plan is for you to have peace. God's plan is for you to have provision. God loves to give good gifts to his children. Amen. You like to give good gifts to your kids, don't you? How much more would the Lord, who is good, love to give good things to you? But you've got some things that's blocking off the flow of the joy and blocking off the flow of the peace. And you're like, I'd like to break out of this, but my cannons have run out of bullets. I've tried everything, and I can't get the deliverance that I need. I want to tell you today that this is not a battle that you have to fight on your own, but help is on the way. There is something that's coming to break the siege in your life today. Come on, if i got some believers in the house. Do I have anybody here that used to be bound? They used to be on the road to nowhere. They used to be making choices that led to death. Uh, come on, someone. But God has set you free by the power of His Spirit. I need you to let somebody else know that help is on the way. Hallelujah. Because of choices, people bound by sin. Immorality, generational curses. In the Old Testament, as we studied, God gave them the law, which was a list of rules to obey. He said, if you obey all these rules, you won't be trapped anymore. If you obey all these rules, you can live in victory. If you obey all of these rules, then life's going to be a whole lot better for you. How many found that to be true when you were growing up? Mom and dad told you to do certain things and not to do certain things. They weren't just trying to be mean. Amen. They were trying to make life better for you. Uh huh. And this is the law of God. God's law was, hey, if you'll do this and if you'll avoid this and if you'll treat each other like this and if you'll honor me like this, then your life will be blessed. 
But the Bible lets us know that the law was insufficient because the people broke it and a list of rules wouldn't work. Jeremiah 31 and 31 says this, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Not the old covenant with all the laws, but I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them up by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt because they broke that covenant, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. I'm not making the same covenant over again that I did on Mount Sinai. But he said, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts uh, and will be their God and they shall be my people. What is God saying through the prophecy of the Old Testament? A man named Jeremiah and then Ezekiel. He said, help is on the way. I gave you a list of laws. You broke them. You broke my covenant and sin rules in your life. But help is on the way. It's not going to be a list of rules on the wall. But I'm going to put my law in your heart so that you desire to do the thing that will bring joy into your life. Doesn't it stink? That the things you want to do are the things that bring despair in your life? Think about it. The things that I have cravings for make my life a living hell. But the Bible says, I'm going to make a new covenant. And it's not a covenant where these are the things that will bless your life, but you're feeling like doing all this other stuff. It's a covenant where God says, I'm going to take out the old heart that wants to do all the bad stuff. And I'm going to put a heart in you that has my law written in it. So you will desire to do the things that will bring blessing into your life. I'm talking about help being on the way. I'm not talking about trying to reform yourself or trying to quit doing all the things that are bringing problems into your life. I'm talking about God taking your old heart that desires darkness, that desires all the things that you used to desire and putting in. I wonder if I got some help in this place. Somebody that knows I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't break free by myself. But thank God that help was on the way. Ezekiel 11, verse 19. This is an Old Testament prophecy. Again, it says, And I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes. That means they will do what I taught them to do and keep mine ordinance and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. God said there wasn't a problem with the law. The problem was the law was on tablets instead of in their heart. And the new covenant that I'm going to make with you is that I'm going to put desire in you to do right. Let me tell you about the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is not just speaking in another language. and The spirit of truth is not just goosebumps and shouts. But the spirit of truth is taking out the old heart and putting in a new heart. Taking out the heart that wants to do negative and to destroy and self-destructive behavior and putting a heart in you that says, I want to serve God. I want to love Jesus. I want to pursue after Him. Hey, you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to break free by yourself. You don't reform yourself by yourself. I've come here to tell you that help is on the way. That's why it was so dynamic when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It wasn't just goosebumps. Come on, somebody. It wasn't just parlor tricks and tongues. But it was God putting a new heart in men and women so they would do the right things. Put your hands together and praise Him right now. I'm talking about hope right now. I'm talking about vanquishing despair. I'm talking about giving an eviction notice to discouragement. I'm talking about pushing out hopelessness from your life and saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because Jesus died on the cross and took my sins and nailed them to the cross. And I decided to take my old nature and nail it there with him to the cross. And I went down in the waters bearing that old nature. And I come up out of the waters and I received the baptism of the Spirit, which is a brand new nature. I've got new life and I've got new hope. Thank God help came. Praise God. Isaiah 36, 26. 
I'm going to drive this point home, all right? A new heart also will I give you. Old Testament prophecy. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes that you may keep my judgments and do them. When Jesus came to the earth, when God was manifest in the flesh, in the incarnation, He came to establish this new covenant. And it's a covenant through the power of a new spirit that God puts within us. The cross and the blood of Jesus Christ is the substance of the new covenant. But before Jesus went to the cross, we read it in your hearing. He said, I'm leaving you, but help is on the way. I will not leave you comfortless. I'm coming back. You're not going to see me the way that I look right now. Because right now I'm with you. But when I come again, I'm going to be in you. Jesus was saying, I'm going to fulfill all those prophecies of the Old Testament. And I'm creating a new covenant with my blood on the cross. And I am going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you. He said the Holy Ghost is coming. And you are going to be born of the Spirit. And it's going to give you a heart to please God and a desire to serve God. That's why... Before Jesus disappeared and ascended into heaven, he said, don't run off now, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Jesus was saying with his final words, I'm not going to see you anymore, but help is on the way. Go to Jerusalem, wait in the upper room, because help is on the way. Praise God. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, there was about 120 of them waiting in the upper room, praying in one accord, waiting, praying in one accord. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Jesus said, the promise is coming. Jesus said, your help is on the way. Jesus said, he was with us, but he was going to be in us. Jesus said that he's going to put his law in our hearts. It says it. There's the promise. There's the prophecy. We're waiting. We're praying and believing. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance as a sign and a seal to them that it's not just you anymore. Praise God. But now you've got Jesus on the inside and he's going to start working on the outside. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when you begin to mumble and speak in words that you don't understand, it is God's Spirit taking up residence in you to say you don't have to be bound anymore. Your city's about to be set free. They're going to say, sell barley for shekels tomorrow. What seemed impossible yesterday is going to be possible today because help is on the way. Hallelujah. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter, because everybody came around when the Holy Ghost was poured out because the Bible says news spread. It was noised abroad. Everybody comes and they're like, what is this? They're like looking up there. Because it's 9 o'clock in the morning. God can move that early in the morning, Brother Ulysses. 9 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, what's going on here? What's with these people? Others began to laugh at him because of the way they were acting. And said, these people look like they're drunk. But how could they be drunk this early in the day? But they look like they're drunk. I wonder. I wonder how many churches could ever be accused when people walk through the doors of thinking, I wonder if these people are drunk. You know what, today, if somebody came in here about 45 minutes ago, some of them, they might not be using the King James Version, but in their own vernacular, they're saying, what meaneth this? What's going on right here, right now? 
It is the baptism and the flow and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It is new life coming to someone. It is help showing up. So Peter said to them, this is that which was prophesied in the Old Testament, that the Spirit was going to be poured out. This promise is for you and your children, all that are afar off. Uh, they said, well, what should we do? He said, repent. Turn around. The direction you're going is taking you the wrong place. You've got to turn around. Have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. Get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Because uh, uh, Luke said that, that, that Jesus said that remission of sins would be preached in the name of Jesus Christ uh, in all nations beginning at Jerusalem, so we're doing it right now. Get down in the water in the name of Jesus for your sins to be washed away, and you shall receive the gift. Everybody say gift. You don't earn it. You don't buy it. You don't get good enough to get it. It is a gift. If you repent of your sins and you're baptized, you have a promise that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guess what? You can get it even before you're baptized, right, my brother? You can get it even before you're baptized in water because it says in the Bible... That many of them in Acts chapter 10 received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. But they still had to get baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. This is how they started the church. And this is the way the church still operates. It's how you're born again. And that's how you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, just for the sake of clarity... That doesn't mean you, you, you get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. You're like, whoo, that was awesome, man. What a great experience. And then just go back to living the same life that you used to live. And don't show up at church anymore. And uh, say, well, I got the Holy Ghost now. I got everything I need. I got it in my briefcase. I'm going on because I got my help. My help showed up. You've got to get connected. Amen. You've got to start to grow in, in, in the faith. And you've got to begin to serve the body of Christ and serve one another. But it all starts with understanding, listen to me right now, that help is on the way. Let's put our hands together and thank God for that right now. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is a gift. It's the comforter. It helps us through difficult situations. It doesn't mean that we never have difficulty, but we're comforted. It brings righteousness, peace, and joy. It gives us power over Satan. It gives us power to be a witness, and it teaches us and leads us and guides us to all truth. There is nothing like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It is Christ in you. The last verse I want to read, Acts 19. 19.1, it says, It came to pass that Paul was passing through the upper coast. He came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples there. He said to these disciples, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, Well, we've not even heard about the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John, the, the, uh, um, uh, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him that was going to come. That is, Repent and now put your faith on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, even though they had been baptized by John, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. So, even if you are a believer, even if you've had an experience with God, even if you love God, even if you decided to follow Him a long time ago, I want to tell you today that there is a baptism of the Spirit that's available to you. God's glorious gift is available to you. You might get it when you're 50 years old. You might get it when you're 70 years old. I've seen people receive the Holy Ghost as four-year-olds. I saw one dude get it, and he was just two years shy of 90. I saw it. God is pouring out His Spirit Today, God is pouring out Spirit today. And if you're here today and you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you, you got the certificate and you can say, man, I remember it was powerful. I loved it. But if you, were, you and I were to have an honest conversation and I was able to push the right buttons, you would say, you know what? My life is besieged right now. 
I've got some struggles and some difficulties and some issues in my life that are creating problems. And I find myself trying to shake free or break loose from it. I'm making resolutions. I'm saying my prayers. I'm doing all this. I'm going to tell you today that help is on the way. And it's in the same form. It's the same kind of situation. It's the same kind of blessing. It's the same kind of favor. Some of you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost all over again until you're slosh like a drunk person. Amen. I know you're trying to fight it yourself. You've got the stiff upper lip. You're ready to just show your willpower and so forth. But that's your problem. You've started to trust the flesh again rather than the spirit. The Bible says, how can that which began in the spirit be finished in the flesh? God started your deliverance in the Spirit. Now you're trying to fight it through your willpower. Some of you need to get sloshed again. Amen. Some of you need to let the Spirit of God come upon you again because help comes the same way that it did at the very beginning. Why don't we stand together right now because I feel my help in this place. I feel the Spirit of the Lord here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to ask if there's anybody here today that would either, number one, you you maybe have never experienced the baptism of the Spirit with speaking in tongues before. And you're like, I'd like to experience that today. Because if it's all y'all guys are talking about how great it is, and if it's definitely from God because the Word says it's from God, how could it be a bad thing in any stretch or in any way? It's the blessing of God. If you're here today and you'd like to be filled with the Spirit for the first time, just a moment, I want you to come forward. But if there's somebody here as well that you've been struggling with some stuff in your life and you realize while I was speaking just over the last five minutes that you've been trying to manage it and handle it with your own strength instead of the Spirit of God. And you want to let the Holy Spirit come in (laughs) and break the siege on your city. And break down whatever has been arrayed against you for the last few weeks. Some of you, it's been for a few months. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's despair. Maybe it's a habit that's got a hold of you again. Come on, someone. But God is here to set you free and deliver you through the power of the Spirit. And you want you need to be refilled. Amen. Because the Bible says it will be out of your belly like a river of living water flowing. It's not a matter of just, I got it. And I got the seal, but it's a matter is, is it flowing in your life? Is the Spirit of God flowing in your life? Uh, So if there's anybody here that would like to receive or be refilled with the baptism of the Spirit, I want you to come up and join me right now. Come on, don't rush me, but come on. Come on right now because the Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall in this place. Thank you, guys. God's going to do something special in your life today. You believe that? God's going to do something special. Come on, my friends. Come on right now because God's going to move in this place. Uh, I need my prayer partners. I need some Holy Ghost-filled people that know how to help people pray through and break through and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost to come help me right now. Come on, some of you are a little scared or a little afraid to take that step of faith right now uh, to get that refilling, uh, to get that deliverance that you need in your life. Come on. Look, almost everybody's up here now. Hallelujah. Nobody's going to be looking at you, but there is deliverance in this place, and there is hope, and there is help in this place right now, and God is about to set somebody free, and God is about to bring hope back to somebody again in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's gather in right now, and let's just for a moment give thanks to God for dying for us on the cross. Can we thank Him right now for a minute? In your own way, just tell Jesus thank you. is to repent. So if all you guys could look at me just for a second, then we'll start praying, okay? Because this is how the Holy Ghost comes. The first thing I want you to do, and all of us are going to do that together from the front to the back, from side to side, is we are going to repent. That means we're going to ask God to forgive us of all of our sins. Anything that we've done to break His law, we're going to ask Him to forgive us. We're going to ask Him to cleanse us on the inside. 
We're going to ask Him, amen, to set us free. And we're going to make some promises. We're going to say, God, I'm ready to follow you. I've been kind of doing my own thing, but I'm ready to follow you. Can we say that prayer right now? In your own words, I want you to communicate that to the Lord Jesus right now. Let's all do that together. Lord Jesus, I want you to forgive me right now. For excusing my sins. I want you to forgive me, Lord Jesus, for allowing things into my life that are not pleasing to you. It's my heart's desire to be right with you. And I've been going my own way. I've been trusting myself and going my own direction. But Jesus, I want you to forgive me. Come on, let's ask him to forgive us right now. All across this place, I want you to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus, forgive me right now. Let the blood from the old rugged cross cleanse me. Let the blood from the old rugged cross make me clean on the inside. Forgive me for every bad word I've said. Forgive me for every sinful act that I've done. Cleanse me on the inside. I want to be that new creature. I want to be a brand new person. Lord Jesus, I want to be right in your eyes, so please forgive me. Come on, that's it. Just ask him right now. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me a new creature. All right. All right, let's stop praying for a moment right now. We'll pray again here in just a second. Stop praying and listen to me right now. Look at me right now. Did, did you ask God to forgive you of your sins? Did you ask Him to forgive you? Did you ask Him to forgive you? Do you believe that He heard you? Does anybody believe that God heard you when you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? Do you believe that? Well, guess what? I've got good news for you. The good news is you have been forgiven if you asked in faith and you believe that God forgave you. All of your sins are washed away. Listen to me right now. Now, you still remember all the bad things you did, but guess what? God doesn't even remember it anymore. Can you put your hands together and give God thanks that He has forgiven you of all of your sins? Come on, that's it. Give Him big thanks right now. So we've done what the Bible told us to do. We've repented of our sins. Now the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy It's not a maybe. It's not you could receive it if you're good enough. No, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God's blood has prepared you. So in just a moment, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And I'm going to say receive you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when I say that, I want you just to begin to praise God. In just a moment, lift up your hands. Begin to thank God for giving you the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what to say, if you don't have a lot of words to say, just say thank you, Jesus, from your heart. Let him know that you love love him. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah is the highest praise. Just begin to express that to the Lord. And while you are praising the Lord, you're going to begin to feel the Spirit of God. You're going to feel it. You're going to begin to feel it come upon you. It may cause you to weep a little bit. It may it may cause you to... Your hands might shake a little bit. Your mouth might begin to shake a little bit. The Bible says with stammering lips and another tongue, He will speak to His people. Just begin to praise Him. And when words begin to come into your mind and through your mouth that you don't understand, you just let them go, okay? Because this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're speaking in a language that nobody taught you before. As you begin to let it go... As it begins to flow out of you, it it may feel a little bit weird the first few words, but just let it flow. I'm talking to some of you that have been filled with the Spirit before. God wants to refill you again, and you need to let it flow like a river. So I wonder if all across this place we can lift our hands right now. By the power of the name of Jesus and the authority of the Word of God, 
I command you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost according to the promise of the Word of God. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now just lift up your hands and begin to praise Jesus. Somebody's going to pray with you right now. And as you feel it begin to go, just let it flow out of you like a river. Hallelujah. Speak in another tongue. Speak in another tongue. 
more time. Let's put our hands together and give him thanks for what he's doing right now. What a powerful time in the presence of the Lord today. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're still praying, I encourage you to continue praying. But I want to let you know that uh, in, uh, in about five minutes, uh, ten minutes maybe, right out in the uh, beyond the lobby in the little courtyard out there, we're going to baptize uh, Jeffrey in the name of Jesus Christ. He already received the Holy Ghost today. And uh, this is one of Brother Robert's friends. And uh, Brother Robert kind of shared his testimony of what God's done in his life. And, and, and Jeffrey's all in, ready to see God do the same thing in, in uh, his life. He's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Brother Robert, are you excited? Amen. It's just the beginning. Jeffrey wants to get baptized in Jesus' name as well. God just filled him with the Holy Ghost. Christina wants to be baptized in the name of Jesus right now. Amen. If there's anybody else that would like to be water baptized in Jesus' name, it's an important step. Because what the Bible teaches is the old person that you used to be, when you repented, when you repented, you put that old person to death so you could be a new creature. And so the Bible says that when you're baptized in the water, you bury that old person that you used to be. And a supernatural surgery takes place. And the, and the old person, we have another one getting the Holy Ghost right back there right now. Amen. Thank God for what he's doing. God's filling and refilling with the Holy Ghost all over this place right now. When you're water baptized in Jesus' name, the old nature, it's a surgery. It's cut away. The old person that you used to be, it's in your heart, it's in your mind, but it's a spiritual thing that happens. And you bury that old person, you come out as a new creature in Jesus Christ. So if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, which is the name that saves us, and the name that causes sin to dry up and die and its influence in your life, I want to encourage you to be baptized in Jesus' name. Just come let me know that you want to do it. The ushers are going to come and, and help these. We're going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord. If you want to keep praying, you're welcome to keep praying. And uh, um, uh, if you're a guest with us here today, thank you so much for coming. I'd love to have the chance to meet you. And if you've decided to take a step of faith, you can be here next Sunday at noon. That's an hour before we start. There's a class that happens right there, which will tell you kind of what your next step is. And uh, uh, getting connected and growing as a believer. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great day today. You can join us out in the courtyard in about five to ten minutes. And we're going to rejoice as another three more souls at least are, are buried in the name of Jesus Christ.